The theme of today's show is ulterior motives, ulterior motives of the political elite. And boy, do we have some crazy examples of this. First up is uh, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. He actually admitted this weekend, and you'll notice, by the way, he made this admission over the weekend, hoping that none of us were paying attention because we were living our lives over the weekend. He admitted that at least 12,000 Haitian migrants have been released into the United States, at least 12,000, possibly more. Plus, you know, politicians, if they give you a ballpark number, you can uh, you can pretty much be sure that it that the number is either less than the real number in a case like this, or more than a real number if it's advantageous to them. It's never exactly accurate. So Mayorkas says that at least 12,000 Haitian immigrants or migrants have been released into the U.S. We know what happens when these migrants are released into the U.S. They are given a court date. The vast majority of them, according to the previous administration, the previous acting Secretary of Homeland Security, um, the vast majority of them, up to 90%, do not come back to their court date. And why would they? Because they know they can just fade into the shadows in the United States, which was the point to begin with. So these 12,000 migrants were released into the United States, probably because they claim to be family units. All you have to do under the Biden administration to be to be labeled as a family unit is to have a child with you, no proof of biological relation whatsoever, um, or the woman has to claim that she's pregnant unconfirmed with a pregnancy test. So you can basically you can basically invent a family unit. You can um, portray yourself to be a family unit when you're not. Mayorkas admits that there are 12,000 of them released into the United States. And here's the problem. Here's the problem that I have with this. The problem I have with this is actually Republicans. Republicans are playing into the left's narrative here. Republicans are playing into the left's uh, COVID-19 narrative, which is perhaps even worse than the left's normal narrative, because the number one issue Republicans are taking with the uh, with 12,000 Haitian migrants released into the United States is, oh, they weren't tested for COVID. We didn't even give them a COVID swab before we released them into the United States. Really? Really? People, stop playing by the left's rules. I'm talking to our Congress people. I'm talking to our elected representatives. This is not primarily about COVID. Yes, I understand the hypocrisy. It's horrible. The hypocrisy is horrible when these migrants are released into the United States without being checked for COVID, yet you and I are not allowed to go to a restaurant in New York City without getting vac vaccinated with a vaccine that you know has breakthrough cases and doesn't actually prevent transmission of the virus, according to the CDC. I understand the hypocrisy. It's, egre it's egregious. It's awful. But that's not the primary reason that it's horrible that 12,000 Haitian migrants have been released into the United States. That's not even close to the primary reason. No, the primary reason that this is an abomination to our country is because of the sovereignty of our country. A country without borders is not a country. We cannot be a nation of law and order under the constitution in a representative constitutional republic if we do not have a secured border. So this is primarily about border sovereignty. This is about fake asylum claims. Yes, fake asylum claims, because these people claim asylum when they just wanna come here for economic reason. And I know, I don't blame them for wanting to come here, but you gotta follow the rules, you gotta play by the rules. Claiming asylum when you're not actually trying to escape a country that's trying to kill you is not asylum. Go through our legal immigration process. The problem with these 12,000 Haitian migrants being released is catch and release. What I described before about the family units being released. The majority of these people do not show up for their court dates. They're now just part of our system. And when I say part of our system, I mean they are the beneficiaries of our welfare system, which means you and I are paying for them to live here illegally in the United States. The primary reason this is a problem is because cartels and drug traffickers and human traffickers and crime syndicates come over our border to commit crimes, to profit and profiteer off of our nation, to victimize our people. 
The primary problem here is the cost, physical and monetary to us, the taxpayers, welfare and safety. And yes, the primary problem is also national security because as I mentioned, cartels, drugs, traffickers, and people on terror watch lists have come across our border. So don't fall for the left's narrative about COVID-19. Yes, the hypocrisy is egregious and that's what it means to be a Democrat. It means that you're a hypocrite. But the primary reason this is awful, the reason that Republicans, elected officials, should be going on every TV show, every radio show, hosting town halls, talking to their constituents, is because of the damage it does to our nation from a security standpoint, because of the danger it does to the sovereignty of our nation. That should come first, COVID comes last. Now, as I said, the theme today is ulterior motives. The ulterior motive of the Biden administration is actually, it's not even very hidden. The ulterior motive behind the border crisis was actually admitted to by Jen Psaki. Jen Psaki admitted the ulterior motive. I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. So Jen Psaki admitted the ulterior motive of the Biden administration, the ulterior motive behind the border crisis. You just have to listen very closely. And it's one of those times, at least for me, sometimes it's hard for me to believe when these politicians admit what their true motivation is because their true motivation is so awful. But you gotta believe them when they say it. You know, you gotta believe, you gotta take literally when they speak these words, when they are admitting why they are doing what they are doing. And of course, remember, the border crisis that is happening to us, we've talked about this, this is an ongoing thread. The border crisis that is happening is not just arbitrarily happening. It's happening as a result of Biden's choices. And now Saki is admitting what those choices, what the purpose of those choices are. We're gonna listen to that in just a second. But first, I wanna talk about Nutrafol. Now we all know that half the people who watch my show are balding. You know who you are. Now there is a holistic solution, however, for men that promotes both healthier hair and whole body wellness without drugs or prescriptions. Nutrafol is what it's called. It is clinically shown to improve hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage without compromise. There are 21 potent natural ingredients that support sex drive, they do not decrease it, support better sleep and less stress too. In a clinical study, in fact, men showed progressive improvement in hair growth and thickness after both three and six months respectively. Nutrafol is also trusted and recommended by more than 1,500 top doctors. So what I'm saying is you can grow thicker, healthier hair and added benefit, you can support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code Liz. If you enter the promo code Liz, you can save $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere. It's only available to US customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T, R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Liz. The promo code Liz is very important if you want the deal. Nutrafol.com, promo code Liz. Grow healthier hair, thicker hair. You deserve it. So we'll, we'll get to what Jen Psaki admitted in just a second. But first, Joe Biden is playing the ultimate game of distraction. He is trying to deflect responsibility from this border crisis. Of course, this is the oldest political trick in the book, right? To point to your predecessor and say, well, I'm just trying to clean up the mess that he created And Biden is trying this trick. He is trying to blame the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump, for everything that Biden has botched up in the last eight months. Take a listen to this. Mr. President, thank you. You came into office on a message of competence and unity. We've witnessed what's happened in the country over the course of the last several months. We've seen the chaotic troop withdrawal from Afghanistan, the threat of a government shut down right now, and Democrats, members of your own party, are still divided over your agenda going forward. So what do you say to Americans 
who say that you have not delivered on that promise. Remember, I said it's going to take me a year to deliver everything I'm looking at here. That's number one. Number two, um, uh, take a look at what I inherited when I came into office. When I came into office, the state of affairs and where we were. We had four million people vaccinated. We had no plan. We had, I mean, I could go down the list. So, uh, you know, part of it is dealing with the panoply of things that were landed on my plate. I'm not complaining. It's just a reality. It's reality. Okay, here's what I don't get. Here's what I don't get when Joe Biden points at Trump and says, I inherited this crisis from Trump. If he's not proud, if Biden is not proud of what he's doing, then why is he doing what he's doing? If he doesn't like the outcome of what he's doing, then why doesn't he change what he's doing? Oh, unless there's an ulterior motive, that he knows that the American people won't like the results of what he's doing, but there's a secondary, a secondary consequence to the actions that he's taking, the ulterior motive, if you will, that's Biden's true goal. Because here, here's the thing, Joe Biden did not inherit the border crisis, the Haitian migrant crisis. Joe Biden created that. Joe Biden did not inherit the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. Joe Biden created that. Joe Biden did not inherit or did not inherit vaccine mandates that are causing healthcare worker shortages across the United States. Joe Biden created that. Joe Biden did not inherit inflation to the level where people are feeling it every time we buy our groceries. Joe Biden created that. These are not problems that simply overflowed from the last administration. These are, these are problems that Joe Biden, specifically due to his choices, has chosen to inflict on the American people. America is not, is not crippled because of Donald Trump. Joe Biden is not fixing a crippled America. Joe Biden is crippling America, is crippling America. And he knows you don't like it. He knows I don't like it. He knows that this isn't even a partisan issue. He knows when we go to the grocery store, when we go to the gas station, when we try to buy diapers for our babies, he knows we're paying more and that it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican that we don't like this. So he's, he's trying to blame someone else because he doesn't want you and I to know the true reason why he's doing what he's doing because he has an ulterior motive. He has an ulterior motive to every single thing that he does. And Saki, Jen Saki, his press secretary, his mouthpiece admits this. So first of all, this is, this is the first part of it. Take a listen to Saki trying again to deflect. She's trying to deflect, not, not to Donald Trump this time. She's trying to deflect blame for the Haitian migrant, the Haitian migrant crisis onto uh, congressional Republicans. Take a listen. There are a lot of Republicans out there giving speeches about how outraged they are about the situation at the border. Not many who are putting forward uh, solutions or steps that we could take. So we're a little tired of the speeches. We'd like to partner on solutions and working together to address this problem that has not been partisan in the past. Not putting forward solutions? Really? That's the best excuse you could come up with. The best excuse Jen Psaki could come up with is that Republicans aren't putting forth solutions. That is such a load of baloney. That is so ridiculous. Um, no, what, what Jen Psaki means is Republicans haven't offered radical leftist solutions. They haven't offered to get on board with complete amnesty. They haven't offered to surrender our border, to open our borders. They haven't offered to um, completely discard the idea of national sovereignty and national security and personal safety. That's what Jen Psaki means. Republicans, and this isn't even elected officials, Republicans have presented a lot of, a lot of solutions to the border. I mean, under the Trump administration, we saw a lot of those implemented. We saw 
a border wall being built. We saw catch and release being stopped. We saw Title 42 being enforced. We saw Remain in Mexico being implemented. All of these things really did make a difference in the border crisis. And yes, the one thing the Biden administration is correct about is it's not an overnight process that changes what's happening at the border for good. It is an overnight process. When you suspend and reject all of those policies, it is an overnight process to turn it back into a crisis. So Jen Psaki is being deliberately disingenuous here. She doesn't want solutions to the border crisis because because the Biden administration has an ulterior motive that they don't want you to know about. Why do they not want you and I to know about this? Because we, they know we won't like it, regardless of our politics. Their ulterior motive is this. It's globalism. It's socialism. The Biden administration truly believes that wealthy people in our country, and this, this isn't even really wealthy people. I'm not even talking about billionaires here. I'm talking about all the way down to middle class. Basically, anybody who pays taxes in this nation. The Biden administration doesn't believe that you own the fruits of your labor. They don't believe that you know best how to spend your money. They don't believe that you should actually have a right to decide how you spend your money. The Biden administration, all the radicals Joe Biden has surrounded himself with, believe that the government actually owns everything, that they just allow you to essentially lease your own stuff, lease your own money, and spend it how they see fit. They want to spread the wealth around. They want to redistribute wealth. And Jen Psaki actually admitted this. This is not conjecture on my point. This is not logical, deductive reasoning. No, no. Jen Psaki admitted it, and I'll show you in just a second. First, I want to talk to you briefly about Canopy. So Canopy is a very interesting app. So the internet, social media, and smartphones have changed nearly every aspect of our lives, especially, especially how we raise our children in this toxic, poisonous pop culture. So there's a lot of really questionable stuff, to say the least, out there. And that's why I trust Canopy to protect my family online. Canopy is an app that helps parents protect kids online by automatically detecting and blocking explicit websites or videos or images, which will give you the confidence that your family is safe online and not exposed to something that'll be deeply damaging to them. So I put a special link in the description of this episode on Apple Podcasts, in the description of this episode on YouTube, so you can try Canopy for free for 30 days right now. Just click the link below and create your account today. Do not let anonymous strangers or powerful tech companies decide what your children see online. No, it is up to us as parents to step up and protect our kids. So sign up for a free trial of Canopy today, the digital parenting app that gives families the internet they've been hoping for. None of the junk, just the stuff we need. Once again, click the link that I put in the description on Apple Podcasts and on YouTube. Uh, you have to use that special link in the description to get your free month, so don't wait. Scroll down and click now. Okay, so Jen Psaki, the ulterior motive. Drum roll, please. Here we go. So the, the, the ulterior motive here is something is a phrase that Kamala Harris has been using for quite some time. The phrase is root causes. Root causes is the ulterior motive of the Biden administration, and when Psaki answers a question at a press briefing. She was asked, okay, what are some tangible things the Biden administration has have done to address the border crisis that have actually had any impact? Saki pivots, not to anything that's had impact, of course, but she pivots to this phrase of Kamala Harris's, this root causes, and she defines what it means to address the so-called root causes of the migrant crisis. Take a listen to this. I think that the vice president and the president have both conveyed this is going to be a long-term effort. And what the focus is on is addressing root causes like corruption, like economic circumstances that are impacting people and prompting them to want to come to the United States. So that requires working with governments, both to put in place new migration proceedings and, and processes or limitations sometimes at borders. We've seen some impacts of those over the course of the last several months. It also includes providing assistance and 
engaging closely with these leaders on what steps can be taken. Key word there, key phrase, providing assistance. So the root cause in Jen Psaki's definition, and Jen Psaki speaks for the Biden administration, the root cause of the border crisis is not the policies that we implemented our own border, of course. No, the root causes, she thinks, are economic disparity, economic circumstances was her exact phrase. And she thinks the solution to that is economic assistance. So translate that out of politician language, politician rhetoric. It means that she wants to take your money and my money, taxpayer money in the United States, and she wants to send it to third world countries or even not third world countries, just anywhere where people aren't as well off as the United States. She wants to redistribute our wealth, not just in our own country, which is bad enough. She wants to give our money to people in other countries so that they don't feel incentivized to come here. It, I mean, it's, it's hard to believe this. We talked last week about the statistics of how many people in the world want to come to the United States. It's something like 158 million. 158 million adults want to migrate permanently to the United States. And Jen Psaki thinks that the, the way to solve our border crisis is to make sure that we, the United States, send enough economic assistance to those 158 million people around the world so that they don't even feel a desire to come to the United States. I mean your mind just explodes at the insanity, at the stupidity. Except, as we said last week, there's a difference between being stupid and being an idiot. Being stupid means that you're too dumb to see the consequences of your actions. Being an idiot means that your goal is the consequences of your actions, and you don't care about the unintended consequences or the collateral damage of your actions. That is the case with the Biden administration. Their goal is globalism. Their goal is socialism. Their goal is to destroy the free market in the United States. Their goal is anti-capitalism. And it's not enough for them to just try to do that within the United States with the Green New Deal, with Medicare for all, with taxes on the wealthy, with you know, a corporate tax rate through the roof. No, no. Their goal, has, their goal is so extreme that it has to expand outside of US borders. It has to expand to trying to create a welfare, a global welfare system to all of these countries all around the world. That's why, that's why they're trying to distract you from the 12,000 Haitian migrants that were released in the country. That's why they don't care about the hypocrisy of releasing these people without a COVID test. That's why they don't care about the repercussions domestically because their grander scheme, the large umbrella of what they're doing is they're doing everything in their power to try to create a socialist society. And if that includes socialist, a socialist society around the world, globalism, then okay, they're fine with that. They don't care what happens to you as long as their agenda is revealed. And so essentially what they're doing, what they're doing right now is they're actually holding the border. They're holding our United States, but they're holding our border specifically hostage. They're holding it hostage until they get one of their agenda items, which is critical in enacting their socialist agenda. And one of those items is this so-called comprehensive immigration reform bill that they always talk about, which is amnesty, welfare, no borders. Yes, globalism and socialism all wrapped up into what they claim is necessary to solve the border crisis. They are willing to let our border be overrun to also flood our welfare system until they're trying to put Republicans in the spotlight. They're essentially, like I said, they're holding the border hostage until they get their comprehensive immigration reform, which is a key part. I'm sure that it will include this economic assistance for people with economic circumstances in other countries. So make no mistake, there are ulterior motives 
these ulterior motives are what motivate the Biden administration to make the decisions that they're making. That's why they're unwavering in the face of this crisis. That's why they have no intention of changing it. That's why they're deflecting and blaming and lying. Because if they thought that you and I would buy the real reason why they're doing things, then they would tell us that, but they don't believe that we want that. They believe that they know best, so they want to impose it on us, so they're lying to us in our, for our own good. Lying, for, lying to us for our own good. But if you look for these ulterior motives, whether it's in the public sector, whether it's in the private sector, whether it's the government and the border, whether it's big tech, when you look for these ulterior motives, then the actions make sense. And you cannot defeat someone if you don't understand what their ulterior motives are. You cannot defeat an ideology unless you understand how it's being applied. So the ulterior motives, like I said, don't just apply to government, they apply to the private sector. Facebook, for example, big tech. Facebook just uh, revealed their new terms of service um, and their new terms of service, to put it bluntly, target conservatives, and Facebook now admits this. So the difference between Facebook and YouTube is that both of them obviously are negative or they have, um, they disadvantage conservatives. They stifle, they restrict your reach, they penalize, they demonetize. They both do that, YouTube and Facebook. The difference has been, historically, that YouTube has been fairly upfront about what their terms of service are. So, for example, on YouTube, you can't... Um, you can't talk about vaccines in a certain light. You can't talk about the transgender ideology in a certain light, but they actually admit to you that you can't do that. So if you do it anyway, then you risk being penalized. I disagree with their rules, but at least conservatives, for the most part, understand what the rules are. Facebook, on the other hand, Facebook is a whole other can of worms. Facebook is very, very vague about how they enforce things. They're very vague about if you're getting penalized or why, if your reach has been reduced or when you're gonna get that back, why they demonetize you, if you can appeal it, what rule you broke. Conservative content creators on Facebook never really know what the rules are, except that if you're conservative, if you're conservative, you're going to be targeted, censored, silenced, stifled, and demonetized. That's essentially what you know if you're conservative on Facebook. Well, fast forward to just this weekend, Facebook revealed their content distribution guidelines content distribution guidelines, they're called CDGs. And their director of project management, um, her name is Anna Stepanov, she said that the goal of their content distribution guidelines are as follows. They want to respond to people's direct feedback. They want to incentivize creators to invest in high quality and accurate content, and they want to foster a safer community. So in other words, could you be more vague? Could you possibly create goals for your content distribution guidelines that are less subjective or less objective and more subjective. You could not possibly if you tried. I mean, responding to people's direct feedback. So basically, if a whole mob of people decide that they don't like a post, is Facebook going to respond to that mob of people that are all going after this one conservative? And Facebook, if they're responding to the mob, to people's direct feedback, they're going to respond to that? I mean, it's ridiculous. But regardless of the goals, which set us up for failure, these are the categories of content that Facebook has identified that will be downgraded if you post anything, especially a content creator. If you post anything that meets uh, this category definition, you will be downgraded. Again, again, the, the purpose of this is to look at Facebook's ulterior motives because they claim that they're trying to combat fake news. They claim they're trying to uh, stop disinforma disinformation. They claim that certain categories of speech can actually physically harm people. And so they're trying to keep people safe. That's what they say. But if you look at their ulterior motives, and you can look at your, their ulterior motives, you understand why they're doing what they're doing. So these categories of content will be downgraded. Quote, domains with limited original content. So 
basically Facebook says if you don't, if you're not doing um, source source based reporting, if you're not have, if you don't have original content with source based reporting, then they're going to deprioritize um, or downgrade the distribution of your content. This makes no sense to me, except except what it means is it means that opinion analysis will automatically be downgraded because opinion analysis. I, for example, am reacting to what goes on in the world and analyzing what goes on with the, in the world. I'm breaking down what people say. I'm looking for themes. I'm not, what I'm not doing is I'm not reporting source-related uh, journalistic stories. I'm not a reporter on the ground. I am not, you know, in Afghanistan recording interviews with the Taliban. I am not an investigative journalist going undercover in Planned Parenthood to expose their law-breaking. I am analyzing those stories. And according to Facebook, does that count as original content? I don't know, probably not, according to their, uh, to their, uh, new, their new guidelines to foster a safer community, their new content distribution guidelines. They also said that they will downgrade fact-checked misinformation. The problem with this, of course, is their fact-checkers are not nonpartisan organizations. It's factcheck.org and Snopes and PolitiFact and all these very, very biased, liberal-biased, obviously, organizations, some of whom are actually tied into Google and Facebook and even the Chinese Communist Party. So again, what all of these new rules, these content distribution guidelines have in common is they are trying to stifle conservatives. The, the ulterior motive here, the ulterior motive is coming up, but in order to understand that, we have to, uh, we have to understand the following. So additional guidelines that will be downgraded, inauthentic sharing, inauthentic sharing means if you share too many links. That's not, that's not uh, genuine, I guess, according to Facebook. Links to domains and pages with a high click gap. Now, this one is very crucial. What this means is that if a news organization, for example, um, if most of the clicks on that particular webpage, on their URL, on an article, come from Facebook versus the amount of clicks that they get organically on their webpage, then Facebook is going to deprioritize that because they think that it is a reflection of uh, authority if you have clicks on your website, we'll just use a concrete example here. If CNN has people that go to cnn.com and views and reads their articles, and CNN also gets clicks when they share their articles on Facebook, that's okay with Facebook. But if there's a conservative news organization, say it's an up and coming one, an independent one, that actually gets most of their traffic by sharing the articles with their audience on Facebook and doesn't have a tremendously high amount of traffic that just comes to their webpage because maybe they don't have a very recognizable name that goes with their reporting, Facebook deprioritizes it. Deprioritizes it just based on that uh, click gap, that disparity and where the clicks are coming from. That, that is probably, in my opinion, the single most important um, admission from Facebook. We knew about their ridiculous fake fact checking. We knew about um, we knew about some of these other ways that they're censoring conservatives, but that one right there, links to domains and pages with a high click gap, the disparity in clicks, that shows Facebook's ulterior motive. They also say posts from broadly untrusted news publishers will be deprioritized. But for this, I have a question: broadly untrusted by whom? I mean, half of the country does not trust CNN, if not more. Half of the country doesn't trust the New York Times. Half of the country doesn't trust NPR. Half of the country doesn't trust um, the Washington Post. Are they going to be deprioritized? Who is determining what is untrusted? Again, this is critical to Facebook's ulterior motive. So this is the ulterior motive. 
you obviously cannot succeed on Facebook if you are independent. You obviously now cannot succeed on Facebook unless you are a fully funded, fully operational, and fully endorsed by the left institution. You cannot be the little guy on Facebook anymore. So what does this mean? This, by the way, is absolutely counter to what Facebook has been for the past two decades. Facebook used to be this new marketplace, this new opportunity for little guys to compete with bigger institutions, for mom and pop shops to actually be able to offer their goods and services against a competing um, large corporation. It was amazing. You could grow your business on Facebook. You could reach people that you never reached before that you might not have the money to reach like the big corporations. But what does this mean if it means you can't succeed unless you're fully funded, fully operational, fully endorsed institution? It means that you can't question institutions, that we cannot question institutions. We cannot compete against institutions. We cannot let institutions fall prey, if you will, to the free market. This is the ulterior motive of Facebook. They do not want the so-called experts, the institutions, to be questioned. They want us to mindlessly, like sheep, obey docilely what experts say and institutions say. This could be business, this could be healthcare, this could be climate change, this could be Black Lives Matter and race, anything. They do not want any dissenting views. They don't want institutions to be challenged. This is actually why, I mean, when I saw this, I, I knew that these, that these content distribution guidelines were going to reveal that they were biased against conservatives, obviously. They think they're doing uh, a service. Facebook thinks they're doing a service stifling conservatives. What I did not realize, what actually surprised me when I read these, was how open they are with, about their strategy of not wanting institutions questioned. And why do they not want institutions questioned? Because the left has a death grip on most of the institutions in our country right now. They have a grip on our government, obviously, the presidency, the House of Representatives, the Senate, kind of. Um, they have a grip on our public school system. They have a grip on our administration, administrative state. They have a grip on medical associations. They have a grip on everything. All of these institutions of experts, academia, the left has a hold of. And Facebook doesn't want you to be able to compete with these institutions by questioning these institutions, by offering dissenting views of these institutions. And so I thought to myself when I read this, I was like, well, first of all, this is a huge disservice to the American people, obviously. But it's also why it's so critically important for you and I, for conservatives and for independent-minded people in our country, free-thinking people in our country, to maintain a hold of these institutions and not to surrender them to the radical left. Even if we are not per se, a part of it. Even if we're not part of the public school system, for example, even if we homeschool, we should not surrender the public school system to the radical left. Even if we go through the university system saying, okay, I'm just gonna keep my head down, get my degree, I'm here so that I can earn money, I'm not here you know, to fight liberal academia. It is incumbent on us not to surrender these institutions because if we surrender them to the left, then there's no way anymore that we can challenge them because even on Facebook, they won't let us challenge them. It's, it's shocking when you break down what the ulterior motive of Facebook is. It's also obviously what Facebook is doing is counter to the American ideal of upward mobility, that it doesn't matter what class you were born into, how successful you were, how much money you have, that you can make of yourself whatever you want based on your actions. It's a, mer a meritocracy, essentially. That's the American ideal, a meritocracy. 
But now Facebook is actively putting their boot on the neck of meritocracy. They're saying, nope, we're actually going to advantage the elite, advantage institutions, advantage organizations and corporations that have fully funded operations so that the small guy doesn't stand a chance. Facebook is actually relying on the elite who cannot be questioned to create the rules in our country, the defining narratives, even the politics. This is why, like, like I said, when I read this, I was surprised at how open they're being. And I truly think, I don't mean to sound negative, I don't mean to sound cynical, I don't mean to be fear-mongering, but I truly think that we in the United States, maybe even around the world, are about to embark on an information dark age. And the opposite, basically, of what the internet brought to us 30 years ago. 30 years ago, you know, you had to go to the library, you had, you know, to get information, you had to ask your doctor for medical information, and you had to rely on this hierarchy, this chain of command to get expertise. But when the internet came into being and everyone had access to the internet in their own home through their personal computer, we were able to question what the experts said. We were able to question what the government said. We were able to question even what other news organizations said. We were able to question the medical establishment. We were able to question the public school system because people, you and I, had access at the tips of our fingers to any information we wanted. And yes, that meant that we also had access to bad information, misinformation. I mean, it's no secret that you can find anything, good or bad, on the internet. But it was thought to be our responsibility as individuals to discern what is good and what is bad, what is true and what is false, what's useful and what's not. And so we embarked on this, almost this information enlightenment stage, uh, age, and now I fear that we're going backwards. We're going backwards into an information dark age because Google, that controls, I mean, they're essentially the gatekeeper of the internet. Facebook, which is now controlling what is shared, which is where a lot of people found their news. These big tech companies are walking us back, 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 back to the point where we're not going to be allowed to compete against these looming institutions that are right now, these institutions are right now it completely in control, liberals are completely in control of these institutions. And that is the ulterior motive of Facebook. That is their ulterior motive for keeping people safe, for making sure there's quality information. They don't want the experts questioned. It's terrifying. John Stossel actually is fighting back against this. He's suing Facebook for defamation um, because they smacked a, one of the fake fact check labels on one of his videos. I think it was about um, climate change and wildfires um, and what the, what the actual cause of the California wildfires um, was they slapped a, a fake fact check that said missing context. So they didn't even say, they didn't even claim that what Stossel said was false. They just said it was missing context. So Stossel filed a lawsuit, and this is what he says in the suit. Quote, this case presents a simple question. Do Facebook and its vendors defame a user who posts factually accurate content when they publicly announce that the content failed a fact check and is partly false and by attributing to the user a false claim that he never made? The answer, of course, is yes. This is the complaint that he filed in a federal court in the state of California. And when I saw this, I thought to myself, maybe that's what we all should do. It does damage your reputation when you have a fake fact check slapped on your name, when every liberal article about you says that you spread fake news, that you've been fact checked, that you are disseminating misinformation, of course it impacts your reputation. It not only impacts your reputation, it impacts what you're able to do, whether you're able to uh, whether you're able to reach people on Facebook. They put you in a penalty box. They've convicted you, essentially depriving you of a service that everyone else has a right to use. 
based on a lie. So John Sodassel suing Facebook, maybe that's what we all should do. Maybe that's what I should do. Because somebody has to fight back against this. Because if we don't, we will. We will see an information dark age where we aren't allowed. We don't have a venue. We are silenced every time we try to dissent or question the elites and the so-called experts that are housed in these institutions, which are entirely in the hands of the radical left. Now, I never thought I'd say that I agree with... uh, any of the leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement, because the leaders are obviously Marxists. They're using racialism um, to usher Marxism into the United States. But I don't know, what can I say? I kind of agree with one of the leaders of a Black Lives Matter chapter. We'll get to that in a second. But first, um, this fall, I'm headed to college campuses across America in partnership with my good friends at the Young America's Foundation. At these campus events, I'll be able to talk directly with you, with your peers, about the issues that affect all of our lives. Plus, This is the really fun part. I think it's all of our favorite part. I will be taking questions live. Now, YAF is the master of these campus events. They've been hosting speakers on campuses for literally decades. I am thrilled to be working with YAF to come visit your school. Uh, Starting right now, you can put in a request to host an event with me on your campus this fall. It's super easy. All you have to do is go to lizwheelershow.com slash Y-A-F. That's lizwheelershow.com slash YAF. I've always loved meeting students on campuses and at YAF's conferences. In fact, it is a favorite part of my job. So what are we going to talk about at these events? Well, maybe foreign policy, maybe abortion, maybe vaccine mandates, maybe cancel culture, maybe modern feminism. I don't know. That's your call. But you know it'll get interesting during the question and answer when the leftists show up to challenge me. So don't miss out. Put in a request today to host an event with yours truly on your college campus today. If you're interested or if you know a student in your life who is, don't wait. Go to lizwheelershow.com slash Y-A-F. Okay, so circling back to the theme of the show for just a second, ulterior motives and why it's so incumbent that we identify the ulterior motive of the radical leftists because it explains why they're doing what they're doing and we can't fight back against it, uh, what they're doing, unless we understand their ulterior motive. Sometimes people who, people unexpectedly, people you would never have thought uh, would be a fellow warrior in this fight against radical leftism, sometimes people unexpectedly call out ulterior motives of the left. And what I'm talking about is there have been radical leftists radical leftists, who I agree with on literally nothing, who are protesting the vaccine mandates coming from the Biden administration. And when I say I agree with these people on literally nothing, let me just tell you who's organizing some of these uh, anti-vax mandate protests. Um, An anti-capitalist organization called Black Hammer is organizing protests against vaccine mandates. And specifically, The commander-in-chief of this organization, yes, I know, that's what he calls himself, whatever. Um, The commander-in-chief, quote-unquote, of the Black Hammer organization, his name is Ghazi uh, Kadzo, is actually inviting Trump supporters to stand side-by-side with this anti-capitalist group to protest vaccine mandates. Can you believe this? I mean, it's, is it bipartisanship? I mean, it's it's almost laughable to think what this is, but Kadzo, the guy who's organizing these protests, said that vaccine passports and vaccine mandates are a human issue. And he said that that should break down traditional political barriers. He said, a real core value of our humanity is literally being ripped from us. And he's willing to stand side by side with anyone who's willing to fight with me for that core value. 
like I said, I never, I never thought I'd stand, sit here and tell you that I agree with uh, Black Lives Matter or the anti-capitalist Black Hammer organization. And I don't on anything except this, except this. There, there's actually another Black Lives Matter leader um, in New York. Now, I don't, I don't endorse the, I guess, the um, implicit reference to violence here. But Shivana Newsom, who's an organizer um, with Black Lives Matter of Greater New York, has promised a national uprising, in her words, over vaccine mandates. This is, this is what she says. 72% of Black people in this city from the age of 18 to 44 are unvaccinated. So what is going to stop the Gestapo, I mean the NYPD, from rounding up Black people, from snatching them off the train, off the bus? We're putting this city on notice, she said, that your mandate will not be another racist social distance practice. Black people are not going to stand by or you will see another uprising, and that's not a threat, that's a promise. The vaccination passport is not a free passport to racism, end quote. Again, I don't endorse the implicit threat of violence here. I don't think that um, what Black Lives Matter did over the past year and a half with the riots and the arson and the vandalism and the attacks on cops and the, the I mean, just violence. It was wrong. It was unequivocally wrong. And so it'll be very interesting to watch to see how Democrats react to this, because Democrats, when Black Lives Matter burned up Milwaukee, Democrats justified that violence. They said black people had to do something and you know, you can, all, you can always buy back property. You can always buy back products and stores that have been looted and stolen. They justified that violence and that crime because they agreed with the political agenda of the Black Lives Matter movement at the time. But it'll be interesting to see what Democrats do now if the Black Lives Matter movement coalesces around this anti-vaccine passport um, goal. If they commit violence in the name of anti-vax mandates, is, is that going to be okay with the left? If not, why not according to their standards? Why not according to their standards? Like I said, sometimes it's the most unexpected people who call out the ulterior motives of the left. Rihanna, the singer, was actually spotted wearing a t-shirt that read, you can see this on the screen for those watching, for those listening, her t-shirt reads, think while it's still legal. I mean, is Rihanna red-pilled? Are we now, I mean, is this gonna be the next, the next Kanye West? I, I love to see this, actually. We need pop culture. We need Hollywood celebrities to realize that if, if their primary purpose in life is art, if it's music and acting and film and everything, of, uh, everything that encompasses free expression, artistic expression, yeah, it's not gonna happen if we live in this woke society where you can't even create without offending someone and being silenced and being canceled. So I, I, I have zero problem, by the way, partnering with celebrities on issues that we agree on. I disagree with some conservatives on this. I don't think that, you know, we as the conservative movement and celebrities have to be ideologically identical on all issues in order to work together for any one particular common goal. I mean, isn't that the idea of what a political party used to be anyway? That it wasn't all of these people that were ideologically identical. It was a loose movement of people who agree on enough together that they felt it was worth banding together to achieve that common goal that they couldn't achieve on their own. And so I have zero problem. I have zero problem, you know, actually saying that's great that Rihanna is wearing this t-shirt. I hope that she's going to uh, make more statements about free speech and against wokeness and against cancel culture and against and in favor of independent thought. This is great. Hollywood celebrities, like it or not, are influential people in popular culture. When I say popular culture, I mean what our younger generations are learning, how they're thinking, what's normal. Hollywood celebrities have a great deal of impact over that. And so when I see Hollywood celebrities doing 
this, making a political statement that doesn't mean she's conservative. It just means that she's independent-minded and doesn't want to be punished for independent thought. Of course, I'm going to praise that. Of course, I'm going to say, yeah, we should be, we should be showing that to all the kids everywhere. I'd be interested to hear her thoughts on this further and how it's impacted her own art. Because as I said, arts will be ruined by wokeness. And conservatives, of course, don't realize how critical arts are, arts are to culture. Um, Pelosi's Spendapalooza, which is happening this week, we're, we're going to talk about this in much greater depth. We don't have time to do that today. We're going to talk about this in much greater depth. But I do want to make one point on this. Spending at the level that Nancy Pelosi is proposing to spend, which is a $3.5 trillion spending bill on top of this $1 trillion infrastructure deal, deal, quote unquote, this is a national security risk. It's not just stupid. It's not just fiscally irresponsible. It's a national security risk. Why? Because when you spend at this level, it's not paid for. I mean, did you hear... Um, which Democratic Congresswoman was? I don't even know. It was some Democratic Congresswoman who said that this, this is a zero spending bill because it, it's paid for in taxing the rich. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And if you don't know how to do basic math, what on earth are you doing in the United States Congress? Of course, this is going to put us into debt. That's what this kind of spending does. And what happens when we're in debt is adversaries like China buy our debt, which puts us in a weak position compared to a country who wants to knock us away from being the world's superpower. And so what happens when China calls in that debt? What kind of position are we in? Spending like this is a national security risk. In addition to the fact, by the way, that you don't have to be Republican or conservative to know that spending like this is what's causing the inflation that's impacting all of us, and it's only going to get worse. And Republicans, Republicans have been tricked, Republicans in Congress have been tricked they were tricked into agreeing to a bipartisan infrastructure bill when really the Democrats knew that just because they took out a lot of the radical leftist agenda items out of that infrastructure bill, they always knew they were going to put all of those items, all of those radical leftist socialist spending pet projects in the reconciliation bill, and they were going to pass it regardless of what the Republicans wanted to do. And so Republicans, what, what are you doing? Are you going to fight back against this? Where are Republicans amplifying what Democrats are trying to do? We will get into more of this tomorrow, but the great and powerful Jay Hay says we're out of time for today. So until then, think for yourself. Use critical thought, question authority, follow the facts, and don't let government or corporate wokeism or cultural Marxism or anybody bully you into being a sheep. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write us a glowing review. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Assistant editor, Michael Wall. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Post-production manager, Victoria Metzel. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.